Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Thank you, Michael. And good morning, church. I thank the Lord that he's given me an opportunity to minister to you this morning on one of my favorite subjects of the Bible, one that I have studied diligently over a period of, I would say, 47 years uh, since I have been uh, in the Lord, and I have learned a few things. I don't know everything there is to know on this subject. But I have learned a few things that enable my faith to work for me. And not just for me, but to exercise the faith that God has given me to be able to bless other people. And we need to understand because a number of people or many have used the gift of faith in order to enrich themselves and to bless just themselves. But that is not the purpose that God gave us the gift of faith. The primary purpose that God has given us this gift of faith is not only to bring us to the knowledge of the truth and to receive Christ and all that he's done for us, but also to be able to be a blessing to humanity. Remember the father of our faith who is Abraham? God said to him, I'm going to bless you that you may become a blessing. And it is through you and through your faith that all the families of the earth will be blessed. So we need to understand that we're not here just for ourselves, but we are here to make a difference in the community or in our spheres of influence. Amen? And God has given us a powerful weapon. I do believe, this is my personal conviction, that the gift of faith that God has given us is our greatest spiritual asset. And I'm going to explain to you and give you a few reasons why I make such a statement. Amen? You're still with me? I say that faith in God is our greatest spiritual asset because... Without it, the Bible says, we cannot please God. Not only we cannot please Him, we cannot even approach Him. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. In other words, He exists. How can you approach someone you do not know he exists? You need faith. Amen? That's why faith is a great spiritual asset. Here's another one. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 and I think verse 6, that genuine faith is more precious than gold. If you had a choice and a whole um, mountain of gold was given to you, and on the other side, a developed faith, what would you choose? 
What would I choose? So the Bible says that faith is more precious, and it's talking about the genuine faith. Remember, there is faith which is not genuine. A faith, he says, that has gone through the test and through the fire, it is tested so that it may prove that it is genuine. Amen? And that genuine faith is far more precious than gold. The Bible says, listen, in many, many, many scripture references, you will find that we stand by faith, Paul says. Not only do we stand by faith, we also walk by faith. Not only do we walk by faith, but we eat and we drink by faith. You read that in the Bible? It's found. Where is it found, Siobhan? Yes, you know, it's in Corinthians. Talking about food. And some may eat meat, others don't eat meat, and all of that. And at the end, at the bottom says, uh, Paul says, if you eat without having a good conscience, then you're sinning. And then he says, anything that is not of faith is sin. Imagine that. Whatever you do, Whatever you say, without faith, if it's not in the realm of faith, it is sin. Have you ever thought of that? Okay. Well, it is. It's in the Bible. Faith unlocks a world of unlimited possibilities. Jesus said, nothing is impossible to them who believe. So what faith does will unlock a world of possibilities and connect us to the realm of the supernatural. That's what faith does. It connects the physical, natural world to the spiritual world. That's the bridge between the two worlds. Amen? Faith is the master key of the kingdom of God that unlocks every door in the kingdom. When you have that master key, you can unlock any door. The door of provision, the door of health and healing, the door of protection. Amen? That's the master key. We clearly see in the Gospels our Lord Jesus placed a high value on individuals' faith. Have you noticed how many times Jesus said, your faith has made you well? Have you noticed how many times he not only commended but praised people for their greatness of faith. He said to the centurion, um, uh, or rather to the Syrophoenician woman, Oh woman, he said, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you have asked. Over and over and over again, Jesus points to the faith of the individual that received the blessing or the miracle. And he also rebuked the people for the lack of faith. Even his disciples. How often did Jesus rebuke the disciples, saying to them, where is your faith? Oh, you of little faith. So if Jesus places so much value on the gift of faith and has said so much about it, how important it is for you and I to study the subject of faith and not only study it diligently, but learn how to walk by it. Amen? How often do you study this subject? Amen. 
So, these are some of the reasons as to why I made the statement that faith is the greatest spiritual asset. If I can put it as simple as I can, I would put it this way. Faith is the currency of heaven. Just like money in the physical, natural world is the currency, uh, uh, the currency of, of the earth, of the physical world. Can you do anything without money? You can't even breathe without money. You can't eat. You can't drink. You can't drive. Amen? So faith is the currency of heaven. And I do believe, and this is my personal conviction, God will bypass a million people in order to find the one who has faith in him. That's why you see some people experience the blessing or the, or the, the um, how can I put it, the, the, the mi- miraculous power of God and others don't. Is it because they don't believe? No, they do believe. But there are times when our faith lacks things or has gaps. And that's what I want to talk to you today. I want to share with you keys to overcoming faith. Some of them anyway. I'm not going to share all of them. I'm just going to share three of them. This is what the word says in um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read it from two translations so that we get the full impact or the meaning of what Paul is trying to say here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, can you put it up please? Verse 9 and 10, I'm going to read it first from the English Standard Version. And then we're going to read it from the New Living Translation. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and among other things he says to them, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You see Paul here writing to the believers in Thessalonica. He says to them, I am praying night and day because often he desired to go see them and he says, Satan has hindered us. So he's praying fervently to see them face to face. For what purpose? That I may, he says, supply that which is lacking in your faith. That tells me there are times when our faith lacks certain things in order to work at its maximum capacity. And we need to understand that every principle in God's kingdom does not work in isolation or on its own. Usually, or most times, in fact, all times, it works with other principles in the kingdom of God, working together. For example, the principle of faith will not work if you do not exercise the principle of forgiveness. If you do not walk in love, your faith will not work. Another situation, the Bible says, Peter says, Husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge so that your prayers may not be hindered. So your prayer and faith will not work if you're not treating your spouse right. 
So you see, one principle on its own does not work. It must cooperate with other principles in the kingdom of God. And that's how the kingdom works. So, let's read it from the New Living Translation. He writes and he says, How we thank God for you. Because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. Here he calls them gaps. So there, there, there are gaps. And if we don't fill those gaps, your faith will not work as it was designed to work. So, we can see from the statement that Paul made here that even though our faith is the God kind of faith, in other words, it's the same faith that God has. Romans 12 says that to each one of you, that is believers, God has dealt a measure of faith. So never say you don't have faith. You do have faith. And in fact, the faith that you do have is not the natural human faith. It is the God kind of faith. And there's a difference between the two. Amen? So, he says, even though it is the God kind of faith, requires development, requires completion, and requires instruction in order to work at its maximum capacity. Say I hand you the key of one of the most expensive vehicles. <laughs> if you don't know how to drive, don't get behind the steering. Amen? Or I buy you an expensive piece of equipment, but without the manual... It will not function the way it was designed to function. Amen? So we need instruction even when it comes to our faith. That's what Paul is referring to here. We need to be instructed. We need to be equipped. We need to um, develop in this area. Amen? And I say that why? Because over the years I have heard Christians... Believers, born-again believers, sincere believers, badmouth the teaching of faith, badmouth the teachers of faith because their faith didn't work for them. Oh, pastor, I tried this faith stuff you're preaching, it didn't work for me. Or they saw someone who said he believed God for certain things and he, it, his faith didn't work, so they based the statements on the experiences either of their own or experiences of someone close to them. It's foolishness. Faith does work because God's word always works if we know how to use it properly. Amen? So, instead of asking God to show them what is lacking in their faith, they speak of things which they do not know nor do they understand. I don't mind being labeled as a faith preacher because I preach faith often. I live by faith. Amen? And you should too. Let me give you an example of what I'm saying so you can understand. I've learned this from one of my um, mentors who taught me 
the things that I'm teaching you about faith. His name is Kenneth E. Hagin. This man was raised out of the bed of affliction. He was bedfast as a teenager. The doctors gave him no hope. Medical science, five doctors on the case, they gave him no um, hope that he would ever recover because they said you have, first of all, a deformed heart. You are, uh, the way your chest is, is formed here is deformed. Your heart is deformed because he was born prematurely, I think six months uh, pregnancy. You have a, an incurable blood disease that cannot be cured, and he was paralyzed from the waist down, and he was bedfast. He came, a verse, he came across a verse of Scripture, Mark eleven twenty four. I won't tell you all the details. That verse of Scripture says, therefore, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. So he exercised his faith on that verse of Scripture. Over and over again, he prayed, he begged God, he prayed, but nothing happened. He was still bedfast. And one day, he had a confrontation with the Lord. And he said, Lord, you cannot tell me I do not believe, because I do believe what your word says. In other words, he was trying to point the problem or the, 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 that there's something wrong with, with the word or with God. I do believe, but I'm not seeing the results that your word tells me. And you cannot tell me I do not believe. And the Lord spoke up and said to him, sure you believe, as far as you know. As far as you know. There were things he didn't know. And because of what he didn't know, his faith wasn't working. And that's the first thing I want to tell you, or the first key. The first key to the effective working of your faith is knowledge. Knowledge of the will of God. Revelation knowledge of the word and the promises of God. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. Therefore, knowledge is the foundation of our faith. You cannot believe for things that you do not know God promised you. Are you with me? You cannot believe for anything outside of the realm of the will or the knowledge of the Word of God. But when God gives you a promise and knowledge enters your heart, faith raises up to receive what He promised. And that's the first key. That's why the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people perish because of Satan. No. My people perish because of the government. No. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Ignorance is our worst spiritual enemy. And I'm talking about spiritual ignorance the Bible calls darkness. That's why the book of Psalms says, the entrance of your word, Lord, brings light, brings knowledge, and it gives understanding to the simple. That is why you should study your Bible. Not because of religious duty, but you need to learn things that God promised you. That's why the New Testament is called the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We have a covenant. We have a testament. That's why he died and he rose again to make sure that what he promised in his will will be given to us. From his side, all is done. Amen? Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. Amen. So, Hagen's faith, as was revealed to him by the Spirit, lacked knowledge. Once he received insight and revelation concerning how faith works, he was healed and he got out of bed. And he's been preaching that message for 70 years. Taught people how to believe God. There was something that his faith lacked. And his miraculous recovery was the result of receiving what was lacking in his faith. We also need to examine our faith from time to time. And say, Lord, is there something that my faith is lacking? Is there something that is missing? Where am I missing it? I've often asked, is nothing wrong to ask the Lord for things or things that you don't understand? I mean, the disciples asked the Lord, Lord, why couldn't we cast this demon out? You gave us the authority. You gave us the power. Why couldn't we cast him out? He said, your faith is lacking. And where was the faith lacking? Prayer and fasting, he said. This kind doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. Amen? So, here we see, I want you to see something else here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. And Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. We see here in these verses of Scripture that God used his faith in order to create and establish the visible world and all that is in it. Everything that you see in this visible world was created by God. And how did God create it? Not out of nothing, out of something. What is that something? A spiritual invisible force called faith. He released his faith through his word and the natural world came into being and everything that is in it. So God used his faith to create the world. Are, we with, are you with me? You agree with that? But now look. We see that in Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear or see. You can't see faith. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual force. We also read now in Proverbs 3, 19 and 20, the following. This is important. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And by his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. Do you notice here what it says? God's faith was accompanied by wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And I would say from my experience being in ministry, these are the three things that primarily lack in the believer's faith. Wisdom, understanding, and faith. God's faith worked 
the way he wanted it to work because it was accompanied by wisdom, by understanding, and by knowledge. Now, let me explain. The first key that must accompany our faith, as I mentioned to you, is knowledge. And knowledge will only, or rather faith, will only begin when the will of God is known. For example, look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. How do we know that God hears my prayer when I pray? Because John says, this is the confidence. How do I know? Because I have asked God according to his will. And what is his will? His word. God's will and God's word are one and the same. He means what he says, and he says what he means. He doesn't say one thing and mean another thing. Therefore, we should not try to put our interpretation in the scriptures. He says, whatever you ask, according to my will, I hear you. This is the confidence that I have. How do I know that he heard my prayer? Because I see it? No. Because I feel it? No. How do I know he heard my prayer? How do you know God heard your prayer when you pray? Because you feel goosebumps? And sometimes you feel nothing and you feel dry and say, well, I don't feel my prayers are really answered or really gone to the Lord. Why? Because you base your faith on your feelings. Amen. This is what we often do. We pray for something, and the next thing, we watch to see, and if we don't see it for a day or two or three, we we say, well, faith doesn't work. I tried this. No, this is my confidence. God heard me because I asked according to his will. And if I ask according to his will, he says he heard me. Therefore, I have the petitions I have asked of him. Even before I see them, I thank God for them. I thank God for my healing before I see it. If I see it, it's too late. I don't need faith to believe for what I see. Faith only comes into being for things you cannot see. Is that how you exercise your faith? Pastor, please pray for me. Okay, we pray. Lay hands. Be healed in Jesus' name. You walk out. How, are, how, how do you feel? We should answer, we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. According to the word, I am healed. Are you there? So, I know God heard me because I've asked according to his will. Amen. This is why I said, we need to study his word diligently. Listen, folks. What you put in, that's exactly what you're going to get out. How often do, not read his, how often do you really study his word? I'm talking about diligent study. You sit down and you systematically study the word. That's why we should, there's weakness in the body of Christ. Let's face it. There are so many, I mean, 
conflicts in the body of Christ. And we see it daily. I'm not condemning or judging the church, but I want to tell you this. The root cause of all of the problems we have is because of a lack of knowledge, a lack of wisdom, a lack of understanding. Amen. So that's why we should study His will diligently, reverently, to find out what His will is in every sphere of our lives. God has an opinion about everything about your marriage, about your relationships, about your finances, about your health, about your protection, about your children, everything. He has an opinion. He has a will. He's written his will so that we can read it and study it and become knowledgeable. Amen. The second thing, that our faith must be accompanied by understanding. And I'm talking about spiritual understanding. I'm not talking about natural. I'm talking about the way God understands things. That's why Paul says, and I pray that he may give you and fill you with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What does spiritual understanding does for your faith? It establishes you. That's what understanding does establishes our faith. When we understand what the Word says about us, who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what we can do in Him, we become established in our faith. That means you cannot be moved. Or rather, you are not moved. No matter what the devil does, you are stable, you are, you are rooted, you are planted, and the enemy can throw anything at you, but you are immovable in your faith. Why? Because you're established. Amen? When you are established in in something, no one can take it out of you. You can't tell me my faith is not working. It's too late. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I'm established in this principle. So you see, so an established faith in God's word is unshakable regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. And so, not only that, but spiritual understanding helps you to see things from God's perspective. And when you see things from above, not from beneath, everything looks different. (laughs) Your attitude changes towards it because you see the way God sees. And you understand not only what God does, but why he does what he does. You see? You understand why he does what he does. Because you see it from his perspective. And his perspective is eternal. It's not temporary. We see things from our temporary uh, point of view. But when you gain spiritual understanding, you begin to see things from God's point of view. And they look much different. You will see your brother a lot different. Because you will understand why he says what he says and why he thinks what he thinks. Because understanding places you in his shoes. Amen? Amen. Praise God. The third thing. 
wisdom. Because we read in Proverbs 3 that God used his faith, but he also used wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge in any given situation. Wisdom helps you to discern the difference. And wisdom helps you to apply that knowledge you received in every given situation. That's what wisdom does. And also, wisdom gives us a plan of action or a strategy, if you will, through which we obtain the victory. And I'll explain. Our faith must have a plan of action every time we engage the enemy. James says, faith without works. That's the plan of action. Faith without corresponding action, some translations say, is dead. So, Proverbs 24, verse 6 says, by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. What does that mean? Don't go to war unless you obtain wise counsel. I've often asked the Lord, Lord, how do I deal with this situation? Give me a plan or show me. When we needed to put up this building debt-free, I asked the Lord, how do you want us to do this? Because naturally speaking, it's impossible. You can't put up a building of 1,200,000 back 20 years ago with 15 people or 10 people in your church. You need the plan. So God gave me a plan. We put the plan into action. We patiently waited on God, and God supplied everything we needed to put it together. We didn't go to the bank. We didn't borrow. Amen. Do you believe that you can live debt-free? Amen. So start exercising your faith. Ask him to give you a plan how to get there. From here to there, you have a plan. You've got to have a plan given to you by the Spirit. Amen. Whatever I wanted to do, in our own family. My wife and I lived by this principle all our lives since we've come to know the Lord. When I wanted to buy a car, I didn't want to go to the bank and borrow and pay interest and interest and interest and pay four times as much as the price of the car. So I said, Lord, give me a plan. He gave me a plan. I put the plan into action and God provided. And I bought my car debt-free. Not just one, all three of them. If I can do it, you can do it. Anybody can do it who has the faith of God. So what, what am I? I'm encouraging you to exercise your faith. Yes, you will find obstacles, you will find resistance, you will find opposition, but if you persevere, God will give you the victory every time. Because the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Your faith will overcome the systems of this natural world. Amen. God has, the, the world has a way of doing things, right? But God has a way of doing things. And God's way is far better than the world's way. Because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. They're far higher than man's ways. 
So we need to transition sooner or later from man's way of doing things to God's way of doing things. Because the day is coming and is now here where the systems of this present world are failing. So what will you do if you do not start now to learn and exercise your faith in the things that God promised you? Amen? You're going to have to find somebody who believes God so he can piggyback you through the crisis. Amen? So, a plan of action. You see, most believers have no plan of action when exercising the faith. For example, what are you doing for the time when you get so old you can't work anymore? Do you have a plan? Oh, God will provide. No, God will provide. But he expects you to have a plan. Hello? What's the plan? If you study the Bible where real battles were fought and won by individuals, you will always notice they had a plan of action. Always. For example, remember Joshua and the battle of Jericho? God gave him a plan. And the plan that God gave him would blow any natural mind. He said, you don't have to fight. You don't have to raise a spear or a, or a javelin or anything. All you need to do is walk around the walls seven times, once every day, and on the seventh time, seven times, and when you come to the seventh time, blow the trumpet, I'll bring down the walls. What if you were Joshua in the state your mind is in right now? It was a plan. And you know why it worked? Because it was God's plan. God's plan always works. But be careful. God's plan will blow your natural mind. And if you're not sensitive enough, you will not receive it. You will reject it as foolishness. Amen. So you've got to be sensitive to the word and to the spirit. Because he's going to tell you something that's completely contrary to the way you think. David had a plan of action before he faced Goliath. He didn't just go out there doing his own thing. He had a plan. And when Saul tried to give him his plan, he says, put this armor on. David said, no, it's too heavy for me. I'm not used to this. I'm going to use what I know. I'm going to use what I've experienced and what I'm trained for. What was the plan? He knew that he could not approach this giant and get very close. So he knew he needed to defeat him from a distance. And that's why the sling and the stone came in hand. And he slew him. Why? Because he had a plan. You know what? He knew exactly what he was going to do before he got there. 
Do you know how we know? Because he told the giant what he was going to do. He says, today I'm going to, I'm going to take your head off of your shoulders. Today. And that's a 17-year-old boy speaking. And he did take his head off of his shoulders. With his own sword. There was a plan. Let's go on. God had a plan to, sub, to sustain and preserve the widow and her son in Zarephath that was dying of famine. In fact, she said, man of God, I've only got a last meal. I'm going to cook it for me and my son, and we're going to die. And the prophet shows up, knocks on the door, and he says, give me something to eat. It's all right if you have a, a, an abundance of bread to give him something, but she had the last meal. And the prophet said, me first. You know, a natural mind would think, what kind of a man of God is this? He wants to take the bread out of my son's mouth and put it in his mouth. What am I going to do? That's the natural mind. That's the natural think- man thinking. What, what was the plan? The plan was put God first. And if you put God first and minister to the Lord first, He'll take care of you and your son and everything you need. Oh, how can I give 10% to the Lord? How can I give offerings when I can't make it with 100% of my income? How am I going to make it with 90%, with 85%? That's foolishness. You're thinking naturally. You're not thinking according to the Word of God. Put the Lord first. Do what He tells you. Give Him what is His. And that's the principle or the plan that the prophet educated the widow. Because she needed education. She needed knowledge of the principles of God, of the kingdom of God. How the kingdom works. Thank God she followed the plan. Or else she would have died. Not only she preserved herself and her son, but the prophet was also preserved. You know, if she hadn't obeyed, God would have sent him somewhere else because he wanted his prophet to live. Are you with me? And so often the plan of God is to send someone in your life. (laughs) But if you don't like his color, if you don't like his attitude, if you don't like his techniques, what do we do? We reject them. And when we reject them, we reject the plan of God. That's what the Pharisees did. God sent John. He sent John to preach repentance and baptize them. They found fault with him. They didn't accept him because he didn't look like them. He didn't preach like them. He didn't act like them. He didn't even dress like them. The guy didn't even know how to dress. But he was God's plan. And the Bible says because they rejected him, they set aside the plan of God. You need to be very, very sensitive. Is God sending someone in my life that I need to receive him, that I need to honor him, that I need to accept him as he is, so that I can learn something from him that will rescue me from an impending disaster that is coming down the road? Elijah was God's plan. Amen. Thank God she followed the plan. 
People without a plan, I believe, they plan to fail. God has a plan for everything, including our life here on earth. And we need to find out what that plan is. Jeremiah 11, 29, I think, says, or Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you. Well, thank God he knows, but it doesn't do me any good unless I know them. Yes. I was in business. All my life, all I knew to do was to be in business. Owned my own supermarket with my wife, ran it very well, had good living. That's all I knew how to do from the age that I was 13. I didn't know anything else. That's what my father did. That's what probably uh, my uncles or everyone that I knew. That's what they did for living. So that's what I did because that's all I knew. But that wasn't my calling. But when I got born again, a divine hunger was placed in my heart to see God's face. And the, and the moment I began to seek the Lord's face systematically, light and truth came. The entrance of your word brings light. And I saw. What did I see? God's plan for my life. It was not to be in business. It was to be a minister of the gospel. And when I saw, I began to make a plan or adequate preparation. I recall years ago, I asked Siobhan, Siobhan, what is it that you desire? What do you want to do in your life? He said, Pastor, I, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a minister of the gospel. I said, do you have a plan? He didn't know what I was talking about. I said, are you trained for that? We have a Bible school. You're going to Bible school? He said, no. I said, what are you waiting for? He said, I don't have the money. I said, you will have the money. You go and do Bible school. You see, if you know what God revealed to you, you must also know the plan that he wants to use to get you there. Oh, we have a vision. What's the vision of this church? So and so. Well, how are we going to get there? What's the plan? Amen. You've got to have a plan. Praise God. Without plan, you will fail. So when I saw the plan, a period of preparation that lasted seven years. Hello? Seven years. Things don't happen overnight in the kingdom of God. They never happen overnight. It's the principle of sowing the seed and patiently wait until the seed becomes a tree and until the tree gives us the fruit. Seven years of preparation. And God showed me exactly what steps to take in order to make ready for what he had planned for me. And within the seven years, exactly, I was born again in the month of August 1976. In September the 1st of 1983, the plan was launched. And that plan took me around the world before we came to Cape Town. 
So I want to encourage you. Seek God's face. Seek the Lord diligently. If you seek him, he says, you'll find me. And when you find me, you will find yourself. You'll find the plan I have for you. In fact, the Bible says that God has a book for every single one of us. A book that he's written about your life even before you got here. But most believers from my experience, they don't have a clue. And it's not God's fault. They're lazy when it comes to truly seeking God. That's the honest truth, folks. They're not desperate to know. There has to be an element of desperation in your seeking God. And when you reach that level of desperation, and you say to God, I cannot live without this. I'm not willing to live without this. God will show you. Because he sees your sincerity and the genuineness of your heart. Amen. God had a plan to save humanity from the beginning of time, even before the world began. He knew what would happen. And he had a plan. To save humanity and to restore to mankind all that was lost in the Garden of Eden through the fall of Adam. What was God's plan? Jesus. Jesus was his plan. What was his strategy? The cross. The cross. The Bible says that this was a mystery hidden before the ages. That's why the prince of darkness and the rulers of darkness had no clue. Because if they knew God's plan, they would have stopped it. The Bible says they crucified the Lord of glory, but have they known what they were doing? They would not have crucified the Lord of glory because that was the seal of their doom. They only found out afterwards. It was too late. That's why sometimes you should keep your mouth shut. Don't reveal the plan prematurely. Joseph made a mistake. He revealed the plan and he got a slack for it. Talk to God. Get the information. Get the revelation. Keep it in your heart and work towards it until the right time. Amen. As I said, the devil had no clue what was going on. And the secret plan of God was a mystery hidden from the prince of darkness. Hallelujah. Thank God for the gift of his spirit, folks. Every day I thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because the word says in 1 Corinthians 2 that God has not given us the spirit of this world. But he has given us the spirit who is from God For what purpose? That we might know. God doesn't want you to live in ignorance. He wants you to know. Some religious folks out of ignorance make statements like this. Oh, you never know what God wills. 
God works in mysterious ways. No, he wants you to know. That we may know what? The things that are freely given to us by God. And one of those things is a plan for your life, is a plan for your future, is a plan for your finances, is a plan to get you out of sickness, out of disease, out of poverty, out of lack, so that you may be a living example of what the kingdom of God does to an individual who receives Christ. What do you call, um, when you go shopping, what is it that attracts you to go into a store and buy that certain dress or that certain pair of shoes? Huh? What? What is it? Display. A display. Do you know that God intends for you and I to be a display of his goodness? of his favor, of his grace, of his blessing, and when people see you, they are attracted to you and to what you know. Amen? And they will come. They will ask you, what is it with you? What's the secret? My my brother asked me that once. He passed away now. He says, I don't understand you. I work 16 to 18 hours a day. I've got varicose veins in my legs, and I have nothing to show for it for years. And here you are. You have a wife. You have children. You have a store. You have money. You have everything. What is it? That was before he got born again. I said, the secret is Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, you never worked hard in your life. (laughs) He didn't know how I worked behind the scenes in prayer and study and learning some of these principles. It's not just sweat. The Bible says it it is not of him who runs. It is not of him who wills. It is not of him who toils. But it is God who gives mercy and grace. God makes the difference. In your life. Amen. So the Spirit shows us. When was the last time, here now, I want to tell you, when was the last time you heard the Spirit of God reveal something to you? And you can say, Pastor, I was studying the Word, I was in prayer, and this is what God showed me. You should have a testimony every day. I should have a testimony every day. I love my time with the Lord. Sometimes I would get up at 3 o'clock. When my wife wakes up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, she doesn't, and I'm not there, she doesn't panic. She knows where I am. I don't need more than five hours a night. How much sleep do you sleep? Invest your time wisely. God wants to give you a plan for everything. Amen. Hallelujah. So whatever battle we are facing, the Spirit of the Lord has the wisdom and the knowledge 
of how to get us out of it. And through wisdom, we will obtain the strategy by which we wage our own war against our adversaries. And when we know God's plan for every situation, then we can cooperate with him in the spirit and obtain victory. And you will see how the Lord Jesus always had a plan for every person that he healed. He never healed the same person twice using the same strategy. He said to the one, go show to the ten, go show yourselves to the priest, lepers. As they executed the plan, they were healed. He said to the blind man, after he took mud, put on his eyes, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went, he did, executed the plan, he came back seeing. He said to the other 38 years, lying on, 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 a, on a mat, paralyzed, waiting to jump in the water. The plan of God showed up unexpectedly. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Yes. Well, take up your bed and walk. He did. That was the plan. There was a man in the synagogue who had a withered arm. He called him to stand in the middle. Why? Because he knew. And he said, stretch forth. How can you stretch forth your withered or your paralyzed hand? Some of you, God says, get up from this. I can't, Lord. I'm so weak. I'm afraid. What will they say about me if they see me do this? Well, stay in your situation then. If you're embarrassed, if you're proud, obey the plan. That's the key. He never said, Lord, can't you see? I've got a withered hand. How can I stretch forth my hand? It's withered. He never said that. He just stretched it out. And as he stretched, he was restored. The hand was restored, made as whole as the other one. Do you see that? God has a plan to get you from where you are, where you're supposed to be, and to become a blessing to your sphere of influence, to make a difference where you are. Ask the Lord about the place he placed you. Why am I here? What's the plan? And he will show you after much prayer, executed, Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Let's stand and pray and ask God to bless us with these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful spiritual gifts. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Father, we thank you for your precious word, and we thank you for the gift of faith that you've blessed us with. Thank you that you've given us this wonderful faith that connects us to you and to the world of the Spirit, connects us to every blessing that you've given, connects us to the future, connects us to your plans. We give you thanks for this wonderful gift of faith. Teach us, Father, how to know, how to use, how to exercise, how to reach a place where our faith becomes productive active, energized, and it produces the God kind of results. 
We want to see our faith really working, not just on our behalf, but on the behalf of our fellow men. We want to exercise our faith and our love to see our fellowship grow, to see people come to the Lord and to experience the wonderful gift of salvation. Give us a plan how to reach our neighbors, our communities with the gospel of Christ. Add to us the things that lack in our own faith, Lord, so that you may receive the glory and the praise, so that we may become wonderful displays of your splendor and glory and faithfulness and goodness in this present world to shine as the, as the true light of Christ and to be the salt of this earth. We ask this. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us spiritual understanding and give us knowledge that releases and activates our faith to work. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.